1: He'll take it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown.
0: Bell into the middle of that
1: line and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. he hit immediately. Got the handoff. You know and it's the <laughs> Qinator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
2: From the DOJ Digital Studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So, for that, of course, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So, let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Damien Shaw. He says, I have a question. Why is it that every time the mayor of New York City talks about sports, you always see the Jets and Giants logo, but no Bills? Is New York ashamed of the Buffalo Bills? Well, there's two reasons that this happens. Number one, it's because even though the Bills are technically a New York team, when people say New York, they're really thinking more about the New York City area. And as far as the mayor goes, regardless of who the mayor is, you have to remember, he is the mayor of New York City. And so that means he is addressing the people that could potentially be his voters. Not a lot of Buffalo Bills fans that are able to vote for New York City mayor, but there are plenty of Jets and Giants fans. So it's really as simple as that.
1: Yeah. And it goes even further. Like, uh, let's look at, uh, you know, even reporting about coronavirus, like, the New York City was lumped in with New York State, but the New York State numbers weren't nearly as bad as New York City for obvious reasons. Um, so that's just people associate like northern New Jersey m- more with New York City than New York State with New York City. Uh, it's That's just the way it is. And that's the way it's always going to be. Um, every time you see, you're watching a football game and they talk about the New York teams, they always leave Buffalo out. And then you get Buffalo fans come in and say, oh, and left us out, but we're the only team that plays in New York. Okay, great. A lot, most, a lot of teams play like just outside of the city that they rep anyway. Um, you know, like D- Detroit, at Auburn Hills is technically just outside of Detroit but I don't hear too many people really complaining about that. It's just the way it is. It's the New York New Jersey metropolitan area and that's that's what it is.
2: Next question comes in from Stone Cold Joe Douglas. He says, "What do you think the record's going to be of the AFC East division winner?" I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that this is going to be a year where somebody will win the division at 11 and 5 and I'm going to say the Patriots. I just think with their coaching and with their elite defense, they're going to be able to win enough games, especially within the division and close games at the end of the year where they'll be able to pick up the division probably at 11 and five. I think the Bills will come in second and then it'll be a battle between the Jets and the Dolphins to see who comes in third. But if I had to guess, 11 and five will probably get the job done this year.
1: I'm gonna go with eleven and five, maybe ten and six, but I'll go with eleven and five as well. But I'm going with the Bills and getting that. Um, I I'm I'm uh, I'm not uh, believing too much in uh, the the Patriots right now. I'm certainly not counting them out, but to win the division, I just I think I have to go with the Bills.
2: I understand, but I think the fact that I don't really think much of Josh Allen, and I know I'm- what. The Patriots have done in the past with quarterbacks other than Tom Brady They've still been able to get production out of them I just believe strongly in their ability to do that And when you put it together with that excellent defense With Stephen Gilmore, who is probably the best defensive player in the league right now I just have to go with the Patriots until proven otherwise But I totally understand because the Bills certainly have a really good roster Next question comes in from our guy over at Jets.com, Michael Meegan. He says, I've noticed a lot of 2020 is make or break for Sam Darnold takes going around. And I agree that it shouldn't take four full seasons to evaluate him. But it is worth asking the question, what QB can you think of who didn't break out in their first two seasons became a franchise quarterback? This is a tricky question because you got to remember back in the old days A lot of times these quarterbacks didn't even play for the first couple of years It is a pretty recent phenomenon that these guys would play right away And also donald is much younger than most of these guys that even come into the league He's younger than joe burrow for example So it's a little different with him and it's sort of a weird test case I don't think that it has happened a lot Eli Manning took a while I don't know that I would even say he became a franchise quarterback by the metric of an elite quarterback but he still turned into a solid starting NFL quarterback and it took him a couple of years to really get there I'd have to think of some other examples but again if you look at somebody like Aaron Rodgers he sat out the first couple of years so it's not really a fair comparison even Patrick Mahomes sat on the bench behind Alex Smith for a season. So it's really hard to say. I understand the point though, because it hasn't been done often. But I just think there are a lot of variables that make Sam Darnold a little bit different.
1: If you look at Sam Darnold's statistics, a uh, statistical profile from there, uh, Aaron Schatz, the Football Outsiders, said it. I was th- this was a thread that Seth Walder, uh, formerly uh, of New York Daily News and now with ESPN, started, and you chimed in on. But uh, about Darnold and his statistics, after two years, no quarterback has ever had these types of numbers and gone on to be an elite player. And Aaron Schatz tweeted, quarterbacks since 2000 who were below replacement level by football outsiders metrics in their first two years and developed into reasonable NFL starters. One, Alex Smith. That's it. That's the entire list um he he's the only one and alex smith is the answer so it's not that's not exactly elite level franchise quarterback there but uh darnold is younger darnold has had to deal with adam gates and a terrible offensive line and very uh, few weapons and mono last year i was going to so, say
2: mono is a mitigating factor too because yeah. None of these other quarterbacks had to deal with that And I have to keep pounding this home Because people don't really understand the toll That Mono takes on your body Even when you're ready to play again You're still not fully recovered That takes months and months To get out of your system So he wasn't going to be able to be At really full strength Until this coming season So that's why I think a lot of people also say That it's make or break Because now we get the chance To presumably see Darnold at full strength
1: yeah, absolutely. And if uh, listeners to the show, if you remember back to when Darnold was still out with mono and people were clamoring for him to come back, I kept saying, don't do it. Like let him sit him out an extra month after he's ready to come back because of everything you just said. Um, so it, it's very easy to just look at those numbers and just write Sam Darnold off for lots of people. The reason why I don't like to just look at numbers is because it's devoid of context, uh, devoid of the the context of Mono, Adam Gase, the offensive line, and the lack of weapons. Um, But here's the reason why I am still sticking with this being a make-or-break year for him, and it's what we were talking about before. He's just developed – again, USC, he had terrible coaching and didn't have weapons either – Here he's had that same thing, and he's developed some bad habits. And if those bad habits continue next year, I just don't know that he's ever going to be able to iron them out. You can only have – like, football is so much instinct. And I remember – man, I forget which quarterback it was that that said it. Um, But – I. I I want to say Steve Young was the one that said it, but it was an old former quarterback that said it. And he said, you can work and work and work and practice and practice in the off season to fix your bad habits. And you can absolutely a hundred percent fix them when you are on the practice field, or you are throwing the ball around with somebody else. But when the pressure is coming at you, you revert back to those bad habits in the moment, you get caught up and revert back to him. Once those bad habits have formed, that's what happens. And I believe that. And so that I believe that it's definitely possible if everything improves around him and he doesn't have to deal with mono, that this year he can iron out those kinks and he can shake off some of those bad habits. But if he doesn't do it this year... I'm I'm going to have serious doubts if he's ever going to be able to. That's why I still think I'm not I, there is very little he could do badly next year that's going to make me say don't even bother bringing him back for uh year 4. Um I I don't think that's the case. I I, I don't I don't know what could happen where I would say no, he doesn't get a chance in year 4. But if he doesn't work those out, I'm gonna, my expectations for him being able to ever work them out are going to be very, very low.
0: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill.
2: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Last question comes in from Bleeding Green. He says, how do you think it will affect quarterbacks and offenses going under the assumption that there will not be fans in the stands this upcoming season and thus no crowd noise? It's going to take a lot of the home field advantage away. I can tell you that much.
1: Yeah, well, from everything I've heard, the NFL is really serious about this idea of piping in crowd noise. Um, and let me tell you from somebody who has been at games where it, it did get exceptionally loud. Um, I mean, I, I even, even get rid of MetLife stadium. Uh, I, I've been to see them play the Patriots, uh, that playoff game. I, I went the next week to that Pittsburgh when they lost the AFC championship and that stadium was literally like swaying. It was so loud in there when I'm at practice And they're blasting the music and the crowd noise. That is insanely loud. Like deafening loud. Um, I hate the idea of artificial piped in crowd noise. I've been watching all the Bundesliga's game. The German soccer league. And I kind of like not having sound. I like it with the UFC too. You can like hear the punches that much more. I kind of like the eeriness of just the quiet around. But... I, I know the NFL will never do this, but just mic the players up and let us hear them talk to each other. I want to watch basketball where the players are just talking trash to each other. I want to hear all that. I want to hear the, the shoes squeaking. I I don't want piped-in crowd noise. Crowd Legit crowd noise is fine. Cool. Awesome. Don't ma- it, Don't give me a laugh track. That, that's what this is. It's giving me a laugh track. It's 2020. I don't want that. Uh, but I, the NFL is going to do that, so I, and I think that part a big part of the reason is because they want some type of home field advantage. So it would be the it would be quiet for the home team and then louder for the road team's offense. Um, but yeah, th- th- listen, no matter what happens, if there's fans, if there isn't fans, um, this whole season there's going to be little bits and things that. I, are going to throw it all off from the fact that there's no rookie camps, limited uh, training camp and what everything's going to be a little bit different. And when you're talking about athletes, they're such creatures of habit. um, The littlest thing can throw them off. Um, Now it, it could help and it could make players play better. There's, there's just no way to predict this, but there are going to be, and that's going to, uh, in ways that are going to affect people that we didn't see coming or didn't expect. It's just, it's going to happen. But, you know, that's going to be a small uh, price to pay if we do get to have football, Uh, because that's most important. I think we'll all put up with a little bit of weirdness, a little bit of things being a little different than normal as long as we get football.
2: I will say that the way that they've done it in wrestling has actually been kind of cool, although I don't think you could emulate it in the NFL. What they've done is they've had the other wrestlers sit at ringside and basically be the live audience. So it's obviously nowhere near as loud as having an actual crowd, but it does give it the feel of extra ambiance so you don't think that you're watching an empty arena I don't think you could pull something like that off with football because of the size of the stadiums, and I just don't think that you could get employees of the teams to be loud enough, but that's something that has been cool that has worked in pro wrestling. I'm not sure what the NFL will do. Like you said, I don't love the idea of a laugh track, but I guess they're going to try and come up with some way for these NFL teams to cash in on their home field advantages. And that, Chris, by the way, will wrap up the mailbag. Thank you, as always, for joining me. As we answered all of these questions, so many great ones, not just on football, but as always on TV, food, movies, the whole nine yards. That's what I love about the mailbag. We can answer questions about everything and we can still talk plenty of Jets just like you do at your website, JetsInsider.com. So why don't you go ahead and let everybody know what you've got cooking over there.
1: Yeah, I got uh, I I got an article in the works now, probably drop tomorrow about Jamal, just the status of uh, you know, a lot of what we talked about uh, today, but just going into a little more detail about that and why I think it's much to do about nothing, and Jamal is not going to be happy that uh, I w- I won't spoil it any more than I did with my earlier answer. Uh, I'm going to go into start doing my uh, uh, position breakdowns, depth chart stuff. Um, and then I got a, a couple other things uh cooking in the works right now. I got some offensive line ideas uh that I'm bringing along slowly. I'm trying to uh figure out exactly how to pace this without uh knowing you know when's the next tra- training camp or mini camp to cover. So I'm trying to spread it out and sprinkle it a little bit. Um, so but I'll have plenty of content coming up in the next weeks.
2: Go ahead and follow Chris. On Twitter, at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest, the New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turn TurnOnTheJets.com.